to break forth with joy, to be contrite, not to dilute his word. Amen. That he will establish us or we need to be established and rooted in him. And then last Sunday, he told us about, uh, he used the word fault. Amen. Basically how we can have small cracks in our foundation. Amen. And then when a major event comes or an earthquake comes, amen, our whole life falls apart. Amen. So on this Sunday, God has given me the word gimmick. Amen. A gimmick is a trick or a device intended to attract attention, publicity, or business. Amen. It's a trick that you use to try to get something that you want. Amen. Either you're trying to get attention, you're trying to get people to notice you, or you're trying to conduct, get some like some kind of transaction. You're trying to get something for somebody. But you, you have to basically trick them in order to do it. Mm. Amen. Wow. Amen. And so on this Sunday, God is saying that there is, and, and this, is, this is the message that God has given me to deliver to y'all. There is no way that you can trick God mm. into believing that you're something that you're not. Mm. Because in times of distress, it's going to show. Mm. So another way of saying this, Pastor Carter used to say, you can only pretend... But for a little while. You can only pretend but for a little while. There's no way that you can trick God. So he knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly your standing with him. He knows exactly what you're thinking, exactly what you're going to do. He knows all of those things. So a gimmick won't work for him, on him. Right? You can't use a gimmick to get his attention. You can't use a gimmick, amen, to make him enter into some type of arrangement or agreement with you. Mm -hmm. It won't work. Mm -hmm. In times of distress, that's when it's going to show the most. And like you told us last Sunday, you know, it, it, we our lives don't fall apart in a moment. It starts with little cracks in the foundation. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And if you try to pretend like those little cracks are not there and use little tricks and, and band-aids to cover them up, it won't work because when the earthquake comes, you can't hold things together with a band-aid. Right? If you were in dire need of a surgery and you're bleeding and you're and you like and, the, and you go to the emergency room and they just say we're gonna slap a band-aid on it. It won't work. It won't work. So in times of distress, if gimmicks won't work, you have to be real. You can't use a trick. You have to be real. You have to know who you are, and you have to know who the Lord is. And I always love this. I mean, this is Philippians 2, 6 and 9. Y'all can just stand for this little part. But I always love the fact, when I think about Jesus, I love the fact that Jesus knows exactly who he is and exactly what he, is, what he was sent to the earth to do. Like, there's no doubt in his mind, like, he knows who he is, what he's supposed to do. He knows who he's serving. He knows his purpose. You know, when he says, not my will, but your will, like he's confident. Yes. He knows he's not trying to trick God or pretend that, I, oh, I'm just going to do this and that's going to be enough for God. He knows exactly what. So in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 9, the word tells us that he always had the nature of God. But he did not think that by force he should try to remain equal with God. You know, he he like he he is God, but he didn't try to use that against God or to get over on the Lord. Yes. He knew he always had this nature, but he did not think that by force he should try to remain equal with God. Mm -hmm. 
Instead of this, of his own free will, he gave up all he had and took the nature of a servant. He became like a human being and appeared in human likeness. He was humble and walked the path of obedience all the way to death, his death on the cross. For this reason, for this reason, God raised him to the highest place above and gave him the name that is greater than any other name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You can be seen. And so I want to focus real quick on the part that says, for this reason. For this reason, God raised him to the highest place above. In times of distress, if you want to make it, if you want to be exalted, it has to be for this reason. Right? And what I mean by it has to be for this reason, the word tells us that even though he actually had a claim to the throne, he didn't try to get over on God. He knew that it was no point a gimmick wasn't going to work. That if he was going to do what God sent him to do, he had to walk it all the way out to the cross. It was no way that he could get around doing what God required of him. He had to be obedient unto death. And for that reason, because he was obedient unto death, he didn't try to get out of it or escape what God wanted him to do. For that reason, God exalted him. And that's what God wants us to understand today. That gimmicks won't work. But if we are obedient, even unto death, even when it looks like things are not going our way, even if it looks like things are not going to work out, if we are obedient unto death, if we, if we think about that song that we were singing, that God is a man of his word, that he's going to keep his promises, even if it costs us our life, we got to trust him. And for that reason, we will be exalted. For that reason, we'll be raised with him. Yes. Amen. Amen. And so I'm going to spend the majority of my time, amen, I'm going to spend the majority of my time in Genesis on today. And I'm going to be talking about Abram and Lot. And notice I did not say Abraham, I said Abram. I want to talk about him before his life was changed, before he got a new name. Amen. Amen. So in Genesis 13, verses 1 through 3, it says, And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot went with, with, went with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and and high. Mm -hmm. Amen. Mm -hmm. Some relationships are doomed from the start. When they could end up very differently. Mm -hmm. Sometimes God gives us instructions that we do not follow. We're not obedient. We think we're going to trick God or we have a better way of doing things. Mm -hmm. Thinking that if I just switch it up a little bit right here, it's not going to matter that much in the end because I'm still 95% obedient to what God asked me to do. Mm-hmm. Not realizing that that 5% of disobedience can change everything. Yes. It can change everything. Amen. And so some relationships are doomed 
from the start. Sometimes when we start out on a process, it's doomed from the start because we are not obedient. Because we're trying to do a pull a gimmick or pull, pull a trick on God. Mm-hmm. Amen. And the reason that I said this, y'all, is because back in Genesis 12, God gave Abram some specific instructions, but from reading chapter 13, I know that he did not follow them. Mm-hmm. In chapter 12, this is what God said to Abram. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you will I curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. And Lot and that's what I, the word, when, when, when God put something in there, it's for a reason. It didn't just say that they, and Abram went and did what God told him to do. It said Abram went and Lot went with him. And then the word says, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed Haran. How many of us have read this story and said, okay, Lot went with him and that's his nephew. Oh, that's he taking care of his nephew, right? Lot is 75 years old. So in my mind, I mean, Abraham Abram is 75 years old, so in my mind, Lot is not a little child. He is a grown man. Amen. And God specifically told him, separate from your family and all of these things. And I will bless you, right? And I, as I'm reading this story in the past, I'm thinking, okay, he's going to take Lot with him, and that's all right. You're going to bring your family and God going to bless you and your family and everybody that you bring with, with you. But no, God told him, go by yourself. He also told him that I'm going to bless the whole earth because of you. So Lot would have been blessed regardless of whether he went with Abraham or not or Abram or not. Amen. He was going to be blessed because that's what God promised. Yes. So why is Lot going with him? Why didn't why weren't you obedient the whole like you yes, you left. But why weren't you obedient the whole way? Why not the whole way? And Abraham took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, and Lot, oh, let me stop. And so not only did he take Lot, but he took other people with him. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lord. Mm-hmm. And so that's when you go back to the 13th chapter. That's why God says some relationships are doomed from the start. Mm-hmm. This is not going to turn out well. This is like like last Sunday. This is one of those little faults. And last Sunday, for those who are here, we talked about Faults being little breaks in the surface. This is one of those little breaks in the surface mm-hmm. that eventually the earthquake is going to come and destroy everything. Mm-hmm. Right? This is one of those little faults, and we don't we don't see it right off. It takes time to build. 
And I keep, I keep wondering how much better would, would Abram have been, how much better would Lot have been if Abram was obedient a full 100%. Mm-hmm. And so what happens, going back to the 13th chapter, and so what happens, it says, And Lot, who went, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife, there's the distress, and there was strife mm-hmm. between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At that time, the Canaanites and the Perzites were dwelling in the land. Mm-hmm. And do y'all know why, like, when you think about why the word mentions the Canaanites and the Perzites, right? Because when you're in the times of distress, you can't be afford to, the people that you are walking with, you can't afford to have strife in your home, in your own house, mm-hmm. when there is other people on the outside of your house that's causing problems as well. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. eventually your own house, and that goes back to being established. Mm-hmm. And that's why God keeps saying, how can two walk together unless they agree? So if you take like how can a how can a church house be fruitful unless the people in the church house actually agree? Yes. Think about a job when people don't agree. Mm-hmm. Good things don't happen when there when there's division. Mm-hmm. And when little faults start cracking up the foundation. Mm-hmm. And so if, if Abraham would have done what God said, there would have been nobody to have strife with in his own house. But when you got strife in your own house, you don't even realize that the, all this stuff around you is coming for you. Because you focus on, you focus on, I got my, my own problems right here. Amen. Not realizing Satan is coming for you. Amen. So this, 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 this distress, this strife with Lot is taking Abraham's eyes off of the promised land and these people who's occupying his territory. He wouldn't even have to deal with that if Lot hadn't gone with him in the first place. And so Abraham said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Right? It's not the whole land before you. Separate yourself from me. If you take the if you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere, like the Garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, in the direction of Zor. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself. All the Jordan Valley and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Amen. So eventually Abraham realizes, and I want y'all to keep in mind the, the difference between Abraham and Lot as we go through this story. So eventually Abraham realizes that there is strife in my house and I got to separate. Mm-hmm. Have you come to that conclusion in your own life? That even sometimes when there's people that's close to you that's bringing strife in your house, you got to separate. Mm-hmm. Right? And and we see that Abraham is not praying evil on Lot. He said, look, this is not working. I want you to be blessed. Decide where you want to go. Mm-hmm. Right? You, If you go this way, I'll go the other way. Right? 
And I feel like Abraham realized that no matter where he went, he was going to be blessed because that's what God promised him. So he wasn't worried about what Lot had or who was going to have the most. Abraham knew he was going to be all right because God was on his side. Right? But there are always consequences to our disobedience. Even though he's trying to do good for Lot, there's still a consequence because now Lot does not have the same foundation that Abraham had. And I wonder if Lot would have had it if he would have stayed put in the first place. Amen. Sometimes we try to bring people with us Amen. or we give them things that they don't deserve. Like it always comes to my mind like how we try to save people from hitting the wall when really they need to hit the wall so that they can go on and get right. But because we don't want them to suffer, we try to stop it. But how much better would they have been if they hit the wall at 15 versus 25? Yes. There's always consequences. And so the word tells us that Lot looks around and he chooses like this fruitful land. So what we're going to see is that when a person is not right with God, even when God puts them in a good spot or get them a car, get them a house or get them whatever, eventually they're going to mess it up. That fruitful thing that God gives them is going to go away. And so Lot was not like Abraham. Lot was like a businessman. The words say like he was looking, right? He was looking around, surveying the land, saying, ooh, that's a lot of, they got rivers and trees and, right? He wouldn't, he wouldn't, he was not thinking like Abraham, like, no, uncle, you've been so good to me, you choose. You choose what you want, and I like. You're like, okay, you gonna let me choose? Give me. I think about the prodigal son, right? Give me everything that belonged to me. Give me all of my stuff, right? That's the kind of mindset that Lot had. He's kind of like a hustler. His moves were based on business and making business transactions. That was his mindset. God has laws, but God is not transactional. Amen. Right, and so what I mean by that is God has like He has a, like the law of gravity. What goes up must come. That's a law, but you can't negotiate a law like that with God. Like God, if I give you this, will you make gravity go away? God has laws, but He's not transactional. And the reason that God is not transactional with us is because we don't have anything to offer God that He would want in a transaction. Amen. Amen. Right? You trying to bargain with somebody and you don't own you don't own nothing. God, like I own everything. How you gonna try to bargain with me with my own stuff? Even you. Even your own life. You trying to bargain with me. And that's why the word's like that's why we're not supposed to swear a promise, because we don't even own the own hairs on our head. And so this is why scripture is always stressing gifts and grace and mercy. Like even the Holy Ghost is a gift. Like God just gives, gives. Pastor Carter, you say you can't be God giving. God, the reason that the Bible stresses how much God gives to us, because he knows that we don't have anything that can buy what he offers. Mm-hmm. Like we can, we don't, you don't have enough to shop in God's store. Whatever you got is because he gave it to you, mm-hmm. not because you earned it. We got to stop having a transactional mindset like we making transition uh, uh, transactions mm-hmm. with God. Mm-hmm. We're going to see that Lot sits at the gate of a wicked city. And so as I was studying, 
To sit at the gate mean you were like a person of prominence. Because whenever something went down in the city, they would bring whoever or whatever to the gates of the city and then they would settle the matter. So if you were to sit at the gate of a city, then you were a person of prominence. So what this means is Lot is a person of prominence in a wicked city. As you read the story, you see Lot worrying about his status. You're going to see him offer up his daughters in another transaction. You're going to see that even when God is trying to save him, Lot is reluctant to leave. Right? And all of this makes his relationship with God again. So if Abram was 75, and let's just say Lot was 50, Lot had probably lived his whole life with Abraham and saw how Abraham was living. So he probably knew who God was. But when he was put in a position to go out on his own, he just had the form of religion, but not a real relationship. And it shows in all his decision making who he was. He was everything he did was based on a transaction. What can I get? It was based on a transaction. Mm-hmm. And we know we know this because as soon and, it, and this is what happens when you repent and when you turn. As soon as the Lord told, as soon as Abraham told Lot we need to separate. Genesis 13 tells us that the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward, eastward and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. And I began, I say, if you look to the north, the south, and the east, and the west, he had to look at the land that Lot had just claimed for himself too. And so even though Lot went off on his own, God already knew that ain't going to last, so all that belong to you too. God knows we can't trick him. But but Abraham knew something was wrong. with it. He, he knew this strike was causing him to miss out on his blessing. And when he separated, God said, okay, I see you have repented and you're getting back on track. So now let me start to restore the things that I promised to you. He says, I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring can also be counted. Arise and walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abraham moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks, which are at Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. And so I want you all to ask yourself this question. If sanctification is about holiness and being set apart, then we need to really evaluate who and what we yoke ourselves to. When you think about holiness, when you think about holiness and being set apart, we really need to start to evaluate who and what we yoke ourselves to. Things are established, both good and bad, according to our company. And we talked about that with the sermon on establishment, right? Where two or three are gathered in my name. Having some, having somebody confirm or, 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 or um, having some, yes, having somebody confirm that you're that you're right, that God is on your side, that yes, you in the Word, so that you won't just be in yourself in your own pride. Mm-hmm. We need to really think about who and what we yoke ourselves to, and this is the question I want to ask you: Can you minister to somebody without bringing them into the space that God has created for you alone? Can you minister to people around you without bringing them into your own private space that God has set aside for you and him alone? Mm-hmm. 
Because you got to be able to do that in a time of distress. And, and, I, and I'm basing this on Moses going on the mountain, what? By himself. When God asked Abraham to make the sacrifice of Isaac, it was by himself. Jesus went off into the garden of Gethsemane by himself. He left them where they was and he just told y'all just pray for me, right? Y'all been walking with me this whole time, but I need y'all to just stay right here, stay woke and pray for me because I have to go to this place where only I can go alone by myself. And so many times we try to bring other people into our walk with the Lord. Or we try to bring other things into our own personal walk with the Lord as if that like there's a trick, right? Me being a pastor of this church is not gonna save my soul. That's not gonna lie. So I can't I can't go before the throne and say, God, for how many ever years I served as the pastor of prayer, praise, preach, and deliverance, that's justification for me going to heaven. That, that won't work. That won't get me in. So I got to be able to minister to y'all and still maintain like my own my own personal walk with the Lord. Amen. And I can't trick God about that. And why I'm saying that is because we can put on the appearance of, of, of if we're serving. God, I'm serving you. And then when we get before him, you say, depart from me. I never knew you. Because when you're in your own personal space, in your own personal relation, and that's what the word know means, to this, this intimacy. So when God say, I never knew you, he's like, yeah, you was in church and stuff, but I never knew you. Jesus. I don't know you. And so the gimmick in this scenario is that we often try to trick God into believing that our number one concern is his will. We want to try to, God, you know, we just concerned about your will. When the reality is we really trying to complete some type of transaction. It's a gimme. If I do this, then God will do that. The way that you know is not a trick that you know is not a gimme. You got to go back to what Paul said about Jesus in Philippians. He was obedient unto death. If you doing stuff. That's not about eternity, because only what you do for Christ don't lay it. If you're doing stuff that's not about eternity, then it's a gimme. It's a gimme. When you're raising your kids, if it's not about eternity, you're fooling yourself. Because that's the only thing that matters. If you teach in Sunday school and it's not about eternity, you're fooling yourself. Sunday school don't get you to heaven. Preaching or singing don't get you to heaven. It's a gimmick. It doesn't work. Never has. And it never will. You can't trick God. He knows exactly who you are. I'm almost there, y'all. It's good to me. Genesis 19, 1-2. And so after all these little breakups, we see... It coming to a head. And you see the direction that these two men's lives are going in. Abram versus Lot. Mm -hmm. So in Genesis 19 it says. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening. And Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them. He rose to meet them. And bowed himself with his face to the earth. And said my lords. Please turn aside to your servant's house. And spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early. And go on your way. They said No. 
we will spend the night in the town square. And the word goes on to say that Lot basically begged them, no, come to my house. Come to my house. Y'all can't stay out here. And so what that shows is, it's like, and this, and this is my last slide. If, if Lot knew the Lord, why was he in Sodom? It's like he made this effort to protect these men. So why are you trying to protect them? Because you know that you that you live in a place that's evil. You know what's getting ready to happen to them if they stay out in the street by themselves. You know what's getting ready to happen. My question, why are you there, Lot? And that's what we do, Lot. We try to we go, Lord, we're going to invite you in, right? We're going to invite you in, and we want you to think that, you, that you're welcome, right? Mm -hmm. But really and truly, we don't want you to see what's really going on. We really don't want you to see the surroundings and the, and the place that, where I'm living, where I'm at, where this is, this is where I live, and this is where I work, and I sit at the gate. This is me, mm -hmm. but I'm going to invite you in, mm -hmm. and, I'm gonna be, and Lord, I'm going to be nice to you, to try to make you think that, oh, this ain't as bad, Sodom ain't as bad as I thought it was. He knew it was not safe. The word goes on to say that when night fell, all the men of Sodom came knocking at the door because they wanted to sleep. They wanted to have sex with Lot's visitors to the point that they were getting ready to break down the door. And instead of having those men come out, Lot says, don't take them. I got two virgin daughters. Take them instead. <laughs> and as I was studying, a lot of scholars think that was a transaction because Lot did not want to lose face. Right? He did not want to lose his position with the men in that city by denying them access to what they wanted. So I can't give you this, but I'll give you that. <laughs> and he was willing to sacrifice his own children for his position. Right? And so the angels basically push back the men and blind them. And then the word says that the angels warn Lot of what God is getting ready to do, that destruction is coming. He says, tell your family, destruction is coming. God is going to destroy the city. So Lot goes to his daughter's fiancés and tells them, Come on, y'all, we got to go. And the word basically says that these men laughed in Lot's face. They did not believe it. Mm -hmm. So my question is, Lot, why are your daughters in, engaged to wicked men? Probably another transaction. Mm -hmm. Who knows what kind of job these men had? Why did Lot hesitate? Lot, God telling, them, telling Lot, I'm going to destroy the city. The word says that Lot hesitated, but the Lord had pity. The Lord had pity. Mm -hmm. Then the angels told him, "Y'all, you, you see those mountains? I need y'all. I need y'all to run to these mountains to be safe, because God's gonna destroy this whole valley. Mm -hmm. So this whole fruitful place that you chose for yourself, God getting ready to destroy all of this. I need you to run over here. Mm -hmm. Do you know that Lot turned to him and said, please don't make me go there. That's too far. Mm -hmm. Can I go to this city right here? It's small, and I'll be safe there." So even then, Lot was still trying to remain close to the place that God was getting ready to destroy. Mm -hmm. He wanted like, like, okay, God, I'll leave, but I don't, I don't want to go too far away from you. Mm -hmm. 
The angels told him, when y'all running, don't look back. Don't turn around. Don't look back. His wife looked back. And I, and I bring that up because we see that this whole man's life was about trying to treat God or escape God's will or God's punishment or God's direction. And it showed up in his family. It showed up in the choices that he made for his daughter. It showed up in his wife's decision making. It's going to show up in his daughter's decision making. Because his wife looks back and she gets turned to a pillar of salt. But the word says when God was destroying all of that, that he kept Abraham in mind. Because God had, God had promised Abraham that I'm going to bless your family. In the word that say that God kept Lot in mind, the word said that God kept Abraham in mind. Or Abram in mind. And that's the only reason that Lot was not destroyed. So after Abram's, uh, I mean, after Lot's wife is turned to Solomon, Lot finally realizes that man, because the word says that God just rained fire from heaven and consumed all of that valley. So after Lot saw that, he said, okay, I need to go ahead and go to the hills. So he takes his daughters, he takes his daughters, and they go to, to the hills, and they go into a cave. And his daughters decide to get him drunk. And and they have sex with their father. And one of them names the child Moab, and the other one Ammon. And that's where the Moabites and the Ammonites come from. Two wicked people. They end up sacrificing, two wicked nations, end up sacrificing their children and all that. And so what that shows is that, right? Even when God, even when God spares us from destruction, amen, if the sin is still in your heart, if the sin is still in your heart, it's going to follow you wherever you go. So many people think that they can run to escape God's destruction. Going to another city, that's a gimmick. It's a gimmick. Because who you are right here is going to be who you are when you move. Amen. If you move, let it be because it's a it's an Abraham moment. I need you to leave your family, your kindred, and this, and go to this place that I have promised you. Okay? I'm gonna be obedient to that. I'm gonna do exactly what you say. I'm going to move, and I'm going to go get what God has called me to get. But if you move for any other reason for that, if you like lot. And you think you're about to make a transaction that's going to help you on your holiness walk, that's going to change your life forever, that's going to make everything better, make everything all right, but your heart is not changed, it's a gimme. It's a gimme, mom. It's a gimme. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so in conclusion, y'all, in times of distress, tricks don't work. In times of distress, mm -hmm. tricks won't work. Mm -hmm. We gotta be obedient. And we gotta we, we gotta follow we gotta follow the Lord all the way to the end. All the way to the end. We gotta stop trying to make transactions with the Lord. And just obey. And know that whatever He's telling us to do, or whatever He has us, or whatever instruction that He's given us. He's given us those instructions 
to save us so that we can prosper and grow. But if we try to do it on our own, eventually all those little cracks in the foundation, all those little faults, mm-hmm. when the earthquake comes, you won't be able to stand. You won't be able to stand. Amen. 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 Amen.